I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. But this little dink ball, the only one in the crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground, and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I've been asked to do a whole world. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I coffee, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs> so we have Division 3 champions, uh, Connor. Derry, very impressive on Saturday against Offaly. Like, I mean, Derry won that division and the final with a, an average winning margin of 10 points. It's fair to say Derry were too good for that division. And from my opinion, anyways, they're, at the moment, they're a Division 2 team. I wouldn't probably see them going up into Division 1. No, just like that was the first time I'd seen Derry for, for a full game in the league. And yeah, like they were they were way too strong. They were obviously way too strong for Offaly. And I was just thinking about it. Like I, I, I don't necessarily think they're... they're they're any they're any, any better than Division Two at the moment, but I was just thinking, Willie, that like it's probably about time that Derry are here. Do you know what I mean? Like we, we tend to forget that like Derry should never have been anywhere near Division Four in the first place. So yeah. Derry, their their tradition and given the you know the, the what we're used to with Derry, their history and the, the quality of, of club football in the county, they should be at least aiming towards Division Two. But that game on Saturday, like I'm. I think Jamon said afterwards that he had no regrets, but I, I don't know. Would I don't know? Would he think the same after the game? Because Derry were just they were just at a canter for the entire game. I mean, apart from apart from the goal just before half time, they were at their ease and they just they were impressive. But like I like I I thought they should have annihilated Offaly. I thought they should have probably won by more than twelve points. They were that much better than them, and there was just a gulf. It looked like a Division Two team playing against a Division Three team. To be honest, no, it, it it definitely did. And like I mean, Offaly got that goal before half time. They didn't deserve to be going in four down, and then they got Niall McNamee got a mark at the second half. And you're kind of like going, the majority of the support was from Offaly, and they just dying to get behind their team, and they gave them nothing. Offaly didn't really to give them. To shout about they didn't build on it like I mean Rory Gallagher was talking about expectations after the game he says we want to be the top we want to be one of the top teams in Ulster and in the country I expect us to be a wee bit better than we are that's a sign of the potential of the team but we had to prove that we're good enough to get out of division three and they spoke about the pressure on the Limerick game and they, they had a little bit um, you know the pressure was off them but you're right there was a golfing class and awfully on the evidence of Saturday night awfully will struggle in Division 2. But then Offaly are probably better than that. They, like, they were very nervous. Even the telltale sign of nerves is when like good ball goes into your full forward line. It's just bouncing off Keen Farrell's chest and Bernard Allen is fumbling it and injuring himself in the process. 
Like, I mean, I suppose playing in front of a crowd in Croke Park for both teams, we even saw Shane McGuigan, you know, not having his best best mm. ever game. You know, there are probably a lot of nerves out there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you said a couple of telltale signs that you noticed there, Willie. Another one that I noticed that, like, I thought... You know, Derry were quite content to let Offaly up and up as far as the 45 and then to maybe swarm them when they got there. But Offaly were really treating the ball a bit like a, a hot potato at times, just very anxious to get rid of it, probably very hurried in decision-making, taking the wrong option. And then, you know, like after after 20 minutes, I, I, I had they registered a point after 20 minutes or something like that, you know what I mean? And like, it's yeah. not as if it's an excuse. It was a lovely day. Crow Park was looking as good as, you know, you'll ever see it. They, As you said, they probably had the majority of the albeit small crowd in there. But what, what really annoyed or what really disappointed me, uh, Willie, was their lack of kind of, uh, their lack of in, in, intensity. Is what, like no more than Derry were happy to allow um, Offaly to their 45. Offaly did the same thing. But when Derry got there, there was no intensity in the tackle. And, and like for, for the amount of bodies that Offaly had back, you know, the likes of Garrett McKinless was able to wander up at his ease, um, Connor Glass as well. And a lot of the scores they got, Derry got, were under very little pressure. And it wasn't as yeah. if they were, bodies weren't around it's kind of a lack of intensity there so it's very I, I just I hope this doesn't have a a real kind of um detrimental impact on Offaly season because obviously they've been very good to this point but there was I was expecting I was expecting a lot I was expecting a lot better of them and, and like you know championship isn't far away so hopefully they'll it'll be a case of immediately bouncing back as opposed to you know it having a, a kind of longer term impact yeah, I think they were spooked by Shane McGuigan. They were probably playing a little bit more defensively than they than they usually would. Um, I wouldn't blame them for being worried about Shane McGuigan. The sideline at the start of the game was absolutely sensational. Like, I mean, it's not often you see a sideline like that from the inside of the boot. We saw Connor Cleary from Clare do one off the outside of the boot, and I could make a fist at going off the outside of the boot and maybe get one out of ten. I would never be able to do it off the inside of the boot. How to get the distance and the curl... The technique is just off the charts to be able to do something like that. And that's why we don't see it off the inside of the boot that often from that tight angle, because it's so hard to do. Yeah, there was an unbelievable angle of it as well from just somebody that just was was in the same line as Shane McGuigan. So you got the exact, you know, you got the you got from right behind him and trajectory was just perfect. And the, the most impressive thing about that is, you know, you say you can do it off the outside of the boot because you get to hit the outside you have to actually ping an outside of the boot, you know what I mean? So like it's easier to kind of just have a good rattle of it, whereas there has to be a bit more of a caress to, you know, when you're curled over yeah. the bar and you have to delay the curl, if that makes any sense. The curl can't come until the last minute, as it did with uh, Shane McGuigan's adjust and just land. You know, there's, there's such a kind of an aesthetic quality to, to scores that land on the top of the net. Do you know what I mean? And Shane McGuigan's was uh, was perfect, but uh, yeah, it didn't. Maybe it didn't quite go as well for him after that. But that was, as you said, that was a sign of what he can do, and probably why you Offaly were that bit nervous and set up a little bit defensively than more defensively than they had been to date. Yeah, so there was a great bit of drama then at the end where uh, Paddy um, Dunnigan was sent off with a black card, and Peter Cunningham, centre forward, had to go in, turn his jersey inside out. Now the only thing about this, this was fantastic drama. I'd lost interest in the game at this stage, if I'm being honest, because, you know, it was so one-sided. But if the game was close and this was all happening, and then he did the, you know, the grobbler dance either side to to put Shane off, and Shane ended up going um, down the middle, and he hit a big dramatic save with his foot where he almost jumped back into the net before he before he stuck his foot out. It was, it was really bizarre all around because you had um, you had Paddy Dunnigan, who was probably wrecked. He just ran nearly the length of the pitch and had to go for a point. Um, that just, <laughs> just, just fell short. So he's gone back to pitch. I think Jack Doherty was bearing down, and like I don't know, like like 
Jack Doherty was round him and it was the most blatant then hand trip you'll ever see. Then he had to go off. But what was funny about that, like no offense to Shane McGuigan, it was a very poor penalty. And then he was kind of laughing nearly like a rueful smile afterwards thinking that like since the sideline hasn't really gave a couple of goal chances nothing was really going from but Peter Cunningham had such a frown on his face because probably thinking in, inside geez you know I've just gone in goals and Co Park and saved a penalty but at the same time we've just been absolutely hammered out the gate so I can hardly smile or start celebrating or anything like that but you're that the game needed any sort of you know drama or intervention at that stage was because since the I think Offaly's last score before that had come from, you know, uh, 20 minutes or so before then. You know, it was just, the game was petering out. It had been petering out since five minutes after half time. So, yeah. was any bit of welcome drama or any bit of drama was welcome at that stage. Yeah, no, it definitely was. So, I was lucky enough that I caught up with Shane McGuigan earlier on the phone and I started off by asking him if he expected Peter to dive. I did. I thought, I seen him, I seen him moving on the line. Um and it kind of put me off like uh, he was doing the I don't know the grovel or whatever it was he's <laughs> up to that there um type of stuff but uh, yeah it put me off and I would usually go to my left hand side like so um he got under my head and then I just thought I would go down the middle I thought he was he was going to dive but he he, he stood he stood firm and fair play to him yeah and was it just at the last minute you changed your mind. Just last month, I changed my mind. Um, that's something that you were always told never to do, like so. <laughs> um, and the next time, I'll, I'll I'll try not to be try to not to be sick out like that. Yeah, because he was doing the dancing around on the on the line. He was uh, he was into uh-huh. a bit of gamesmanship. To be, to be fair, there was nothing riding on it at that stage, Shane. Like the game was well over at the, at that stage, but it was a nice bit of drama to finish it off with. But uh, the game was over. That's well. That's maybe one thing that's putting the bit of these off my mind like but um the game was well it was over by that stage but it was good uh good bit of drama like you, you heard the awfully support when the when the ball was saved like so it was just uh it added to the whole the whole day like so um, yeah to him. It, it kind of summed up your day missing that shame would it be fair to say you scored that unbelievable sideline at the start of the game and i was thinking geez this 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 uh could really be you know he could could kick him off here but by the end of the second half, you were you looked very frustrated. But even when you scored the point, you weren't even happy with that. You were I, just like, F- finally. I uh, definitely look. I wasn't my, my best day. I could have been. Well, I could have, should have been walking away with two ten at least. Like, but um, <laughs> I know, and later in the championship, I'll have to be, I'll have to be slotting um, the chances over. Like they were um, dropping men deep, doubling up on. Myself and other other um, forwards, like so. And uh, no matter who we play down or down it on in the championship, um, I'm sure it'll be quite similar. So, um, it's frustration was probably probably the the main the main thing that uh, springs to mind with Saturday's performance. Anyway. Yeah, you probably weren't expecting that from Offaly because they wouldn't wouldn't have been known for dropping too many players back. No, no, we like we we done our we done our video analysis on them, like, and we um we we seen that they were an an attack and side, like Rory knows um Rory knows the manager and knew awfully pretty well, like, so we weren't really expecting that from them. So um, they were obviously trying to curtail us for so long, but thankfully our runners from deep then had started to cause them the problems, like, um. 
what what stood for us. Um, you've seen the likes of Dark McInnes and the boys coming through at pace. Like um, that was where we were getting our most joy on Saturday. So um, it's good that we have that aspect of our game as well. Well, yeah, you can mix it up because I saw the I saw yeah. you playing against Cavan, and you would have got a lot more kind of good diagonal ball in, you know, that you probably love, and it, that wasn't really on on Saturday. So you just ran everything and just won a different yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. Like Rory says, we need to be more user brains more um, when we are attacking. We need to understand the situation that's that's ahead of us, like when to run the ball, when to kick the ball. So he is trying to bring different aspects into their game, like, and I think. Um, we're slowly but surely trying to we're, we're getting there um, still a lot of work and improvements to be made on it like um, but um, steady progress definitely well it definitely like it's all about I suppose Shane having variety and like that kicking game isn't going to be on every time to be equally as comfortable I think that's what sets Dublin apart even from the likes of Kerry where Kerry predominantly like to kick it they're not they don't really like that running game, you know, but it's about being really comfortable with both. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you could you could sit and watch Dublin to uh, to uh, every day like and they, they would come up with something different, like but you have to keep um the opposition honest, like you can become like you say, you can become predictable with your attacks and that's one thing Dublin have in their locker. You do, you don't know they, they put on the long ball and the con cut to on it and then they've got the runners too like so you, you have to keep you have to keep the opposition honest and um not let them be so so um prepared for what what you're um going to be going to be doing on the day like you have to keep them honest yeah see like i mean you've been very impressive like to be fair shane you're not a division three team you've i think the average winning margin has been 10 points so now you're you know you're up probably you know, at a at a level that's more comfortable with for for the team you have. You know, to be you know knocking on the door of the top of division two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, Derry, where where we we were where we were because we 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 deserve to be there. The players in the past, including myself, we weren't we weren't committing to each other. Um, but Rory has stepped in and he he's brought in a few new faces. Um, we as a group believed we were no disrespect to the teams in division three and four we did believe we were we should have been getting out of it but um like you say division two will be a step up for this team this this uh, we're not going to be one and all earnings and all and saved uh, in the next six months i don't believe but um like you say the steady progress that you may make and hopefully i think the main thing for next year will be staying in Division 2 and then building from that um, but uh, Ulsters and all Ireland's hopefully in the near future will be will be something that we, we can be building towards Yeah Rory's definitely made a very positive impact hasn't he like I mean it's all positive coming out of Derry everybody's committing you know you don't have the same oh they don't have him they don't have him it all seems to be you know moving forward in a very positive manner Definitely look Rory's come from very, he's a CV speaks for itself. Like he's been in an All Ireland one and management team was was Donegal. Like so, I think players in the past have maybe used the excuses of having poor um, management setups or this and that. Like, but one thing that 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 you can't um, question is as Rory's ability um, and 
understanding of the game. Like um, he knows himself. He'll be the first one to say he's maybe got things wrong in the past. Like um, and the way he's set teams up in, in the in the past, he knows himself now. Um, won't be good enough to be challenging the top the top teams. So um, he's constantly learning and uh, and ourselves. Right, okay, because that's definitely been noticeable about Derry. Whatever happened to Rory, maybe over the Christmas, he's he's uh, he's seen the light, anyways, because it's 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 definitely different football than we would be used to from Rory Gallagher teams. Definitely, look, um, like you say, he's he, he's he, he's mad about football and he's mad about watching it, and he's he it's on his head twenty four seven, like, and he knows he says himself, like. Um, the defensive structures and uh, it was good enough for the time when um, players didn't have the the capabilities to break it down or the game plans to break it down. But yeah. the game is the game has moved on from that. You look at Dublin, they will just they'll they'll pick you apart. Like if you if you're constantly set up with the defensive structure, um, obviously um, you still need to have a good. You need to find the right balance, as they say. Like, so I think we are bringing that into your game, um, and um, it's it's worked for us so far. Like, um, like I said, I keep coming back to you. We have a lot of improvements to be making, but um, I'm happy with how it's going. Yeah. Yeah, and like I said earlier, that everybody seems to be committing. And like, I mean, you always hear this from Derry. I'd be interested to see what you you think of it. You know, Derry underachieved because they hate each other at club level and they can't, you know, get out. They can't leave that at the dressing room door when they go in with the county. Where's this come from, or is this still the case? I don't know where this is where this has come from. Um, look. You go out in the club match and you play for your club and you play with your your heart in your sleeve, like no no question about it, like. But as soon as we get the boys up, um, up around the one big, like we're, we're we're there for each other, like maybe in the past it's something that has maybe crept in. I don't I don't think it's it's ever been as serious or serious as the things people talk about. Or they don't they don't be playing playing for each other all the. The flat nail boys are playing with the flat nail boys. The glam boys are playing with the glam boys. I don't think it's ever been as serious as that there. Like, um, but Rory did. He, he came on and he demanded that we need to be more as one. We need to be living and living and breathing with each other. Like, so we have committed to each other better, definitely. But I don't think it's ever been as serious as the thing as people's made out to be. Right. Okay. I don't know where where these things come from, but the few tweaks that Rory's made to the team this year have re- really worked. Like McKinless, she's he's a real weapon at centre back. He's a he's a throwback to the, to Kevin Moran in the eighties with Dublin, um, bombing forward. And you know, Chrissy McKay yeah. on the full back line, brilliant man marker. You know, you, you're very safe with him there. And then you've Glass and uh, Bradley in midfield, which is really really strong. You know, you do, you've a very good balance to the team now. Yeah, I think I think. The main thing from this year compared to last year's probably been Gareth. Um, Gareth coming on at centre half back. He's been there. Look, nobody ever doubted Gareth's football and ability. Um, in the past, maybe his commitments were travelling. He, he liked his travel and stuff like that, like which is which is fair to him. Like, but um, nobody ever really doubted his football and abilities. And he came on at the start of the year and he said he was he was he was going to be committed to the to the 
project at the Marine had in place. Like, so I think the team were were more than happy to to get him on board when he was when he said he would commit. Um, like you said, Chris, he stationed at fullback brings a bit more steadiness to the ship. Like, um, we were a bit more erratic in the past in the in the fullback line, and I think. Um, Chrissy's presence there, even not even defensively, but having that cool head um, coming out with the ball is is uh, is helping us. And then you've got the two the two men midfield, like you said, Connor and Emmett. Connor is obviously another one that's brought in. He was through into the deep end maybe last year um, against Armalik, but Rory said Connor will be playing midfield for the next ten years for Derry, like so. He's just going to have to get used to it, and I think um, Conor will say it was maybe a baptism of fire, but um, it's probably stood to him now. Yeah, you can see he's the football side of things has has uh, has improved. Come here, you you must have been delighted with that sideline into Hill 16. You were running away very confidently, but it only scraped over the bar onto the top of the net. Hi, <laughs> well, I think... Um, <laughs> I'm glad uh, it's maybe making a bit more headlines than the, the penalty, but <laughs> I just can't get the I, I just can't get the penalty out of my head. So um, I'll, look, I was a I was a good striker. I felt it clean coming off off the off the foot leg, but um, I just I, I still can't get the penalty out of my head. So I'm not be getting carried away with with the point. Yeah, well, that's true. Well, you have a you have an incredible control over a football off your left foot. There's no doubt about that. I was impressed in the Cavan game at, at with your right foot. Um, you've been doing a yeah. good bit of work on that. You kicked two two pretty natural looking right foot right footed points um, that day. But like, I mean, you're not you. That's not natural for you at all. No, definitely not. Look, I think and on the age, um, they're always saying, staying as or push them to. Is right, push him to his right, or he's all left, he's all left. So, um, even first couple of years of senior, like I was still depending on it too much. But, um, Gavin Devlin came in last year into the club or the club scene, um, and was hammered and uh, into me, um, being able to work off both sides. And it was the same with Rory. Um, so they were saying, if you want to be the a leap forward that you maybe can be. Um, this is something that you have to do. I think Clifford and the legs have set the bar with with both feet legs. So um, it's something that is definitely I've tried to bring into my game, and um, it's worked. It's worked so far. So um, I'm I'm happy with how it's going. Well, that's the thing. Would you believe they used to shout at Clifford as well? I interviewed him on the show to keep him on his, uh, keep him on, push him onto his right. He doesn't have a right, <laughs> which sounds a bit weird. Weird now. It, it's funny though, Shane, because I, ne- I never had a left foot. It, it's funny how fast you can get good at it if you actually just try to focus on it. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's nothing too. Um, uh, you, you thought maybe it was something harder than it was, like, but it's. Yeah. It's it's simple. It's more simple than it was. Like even last year in lockdown, you had plenty of plenty of time on the hands. Like and I was that really got it under the motion of kicking. Like I was just up against the wall off the the right foot every day, basically with the with the time I had on my hands. And it really just it, it came naturally enough when you got when when you got the the swing of it. Like um, it's it's not too different. Like so. 
that will be the, the tip for the youngsters just to get out of the young age and don't leave it to 19 or 20 like the guy did. <laughs> I think I was 24 before the penny dropped uh, with me when I was moved up into the forwards. Come here, before I let you go here, I can't get my head around the fact that you're an elite, top, top level full forward in Gaelic football but you move across to hurling because you obviously played dual for slot nail maybe not for obviously Derry is too difficult at any county level and you're a man marker how the hell did you get stuck being a man marker in hurling when you're <laughs> when you're the you're the man scoring the points in the football I don't know how that, that came about it was around underage I was played nearly everywhere like but then um, stepped into senior like and we were we were just doing a man and that was Mickey McShane just saw me as a as a defender or senior hurling coach like so um I was watching like Brent Brenton would be the Brenton Rogers would be the opposite uh yeah. that there. He would yeah. be the 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 full back in the the county, but then when you see him in the hurling pitch he's he, he's magic like so I just don't think I've got the the hurling skills more of a spoiler or something they got there they would say and that the hurling like I would get a few um tons about it from the from the lads but um yeah it's more about the I think the the football skills would be um a bit more refined than, than the hurling. Right, right, okay, okay. So you're yeah you're you're a tagger in the hurling. You mark T J Reid very well anyways in that all Ireland semi final. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Come here, you're in your last week as a teacher and then you're a professional footballer for the rest of the summer. So, like, I mean, <laughs> obviously it's knockout this year. So, you you know, you've got Downer Donegal, which is a huge, uh, huge game. You'll want it to last a little bit longer than one game. Yeah, definitely. We'll get a good look at uh, both teams on, yeah. like, a Sunday now, isn't it? Uh, um, so, uh, like you say, it's a, hopefully it will be a, be a long summer. We've got plenty of time on our hands, but... Um, it's been I don't know, five years now, I think, since Derry's won an Ulster Championship match. So Jesus, will be. I know that like when you see it like that, there it's it's not good. It's not good. Like so, we want to be we want to be rating that wrong anyway. Um, it's been too long since an Ulster Championship won. I think it was down in fifteen. Um, so yeah, but there's something that we we will be looking to correct. Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, come here. Best of luck in the championship, anyway. And congratulations on on the performances in the league. Um, we'll talk to you again maybe during the summer, Shane. I'll stay it on. Thanks for making calm. Yeah, isn't it mad? All right, uh, Connor. When you hear um, Shane talking about Derry not having had won an Ulster championship match in five years, it's a long bloody time. And to be honest, I don't want to be insensitive insensitive to them. They might not this year either. No, just, just 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 judging by their path through path through Ulster, it looks like it. Like I, I'd have more hope for them off the basis of that performance at the weekend, but yeah, uh, but but their path through Ulster looks quite perilous. But there's no more like oh, Armagh had that horrible record in 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 Ulster championship for a long time as well. Derry the same, but like I, I remember, like I remember during that time, Derry should have probably knocked Mayo out in Castlebar the day the the year that we got to the the I think it was the 17 final against uh, against Dublin. So they've had some memorable luck. Uh, performances in the qualifiers but I suppose when you're in Ulster you live and die by your performance in the championship and as I kind of mentioned earlier I saw a county with Derry's tradition to not win a to not win a championship game in five years that that's bad going that must that, that, that must be something that weighs quite heavily on them as well yeah no it definitely is like uh, Rory Gallagher was talking after the game and he's saying that um, he said I want to be going into the championship with 12, 13, 14 of my team crystal clear People going to the matches should be almost able to pick the team. 
you don't want to hide who the best players are. And like, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And that's some mistakes some managers kind of make at the end of the league. They're, they've tried so many different things. You have to find a balance between rotating your panel, but knowing your best team. And he does know his best team. Like he's a little bit like Jack O'Connor, where he's pretty much playing his best team. Uh, most of the time for me to take the step up to division one they need a better number 13 and a better number 15 like there's just not enough danger for Mushin Williams or Benny Heron as far as I would be concerned to be able to move up to that next level so unless they have one or two of them across the rest of their team you know that's even without Brendan Rodgers at full back their full back line solid and McKinless is outstanding center back like I mean he reminds me a little bit of Ushin Mullen he only knows one that is a full-on sprint straight down the middle of the of the pitch. Like it's exciting to watch McKinless. Your two wing backs aren't bad. Their midfield's really, really strong. Working wing forwards who can kick a bit of football as well. Now Lachlan and Shane McGuigan's obviously they'd be the class up front. But they need they need to help Shane out when he's not having uh you know when he might be having an off day. Yeah, and that 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 would have been my one thing with with Derry on Saturday is that like they they did create far, like they scored twenty one points, but they created far more. They created enough chances to score thirty points and a couple of goals on top of that as well. And there just wasn't enough kind of um, there wasn't enough clinical finishing and like like teams and especially in teams in the Ulster Championship aren't going to give them the space that awfully gave them despite having the bodies back there the last day. So you would have a concern about that. But outside of that, I like there, there's a lot for Rory Gallagher to be to be happy about. Like that's. You, you meant the spine of the team. The spine of the team is very strong. You know, with Chris McKay back there with Garrett McKinless and with midfield. The midfield, who I was very, very impressed by, Conor Glass and, and Emma Bradley the last day. And, and and just that, like that, McKinless was the embodiment of it, as you said, just like Oshie Mullen. But like the, the wing backs have the ability to do that. Chris McKay didn't have to do it, but he has the ability to do that, to run from deep as well. So they have, they have that kind of, they have that weapon too. But um yeah, it's just that 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 would be a that would that would be that would be a real kind of cause of concern that like the that you know the the teams outside of Offaly that they can really probably focus on Shane McGuigan and Niall Lachlan because the contributions from the lads outside you know maybe aren't uh, aren't what they need to be as you said especially at thirteen and fifteen. Yeah, Connor Glass. Uh, you're right to mention him. Rory Gallagher was talking about him after the match. After the match, and he says he'd one training session under him when he came on against Longford. That's last year. I think since then he's improved and improved. He's very humble. He puts the team first. There's a lot of skills in Gaelic football, but your ability to play for the team and his willingness to do that is exceptional. Do you know who I kind of compare Connor Glass to? A little bit of an Aidan O'Shea type midfielder. Very, very committed. An excellent tackler. Kind of yeah. box to box isn't going to get you four or five points you know that's just that's not his game but it's just an all-round big physical lump of a presence in midfield that every team probably would love to have yeah and when you mentioned O'Shea that that kind of intimidatory factor that he has when you know people people hate it people don't take Aidan O'Shea on because he's one of the best tacklers in the game do you know what I mean he's he has he can he forces he forces turnovers forces many of them you know every game so that that will get into players' heads and they they won't probably take him on because of it and the one thing that would stood out to me about Conor Glass the last day was just well I thought we mentioned Division Two against Division Three and I thought as well in terms of quality but the physicality of Derry compared to the physicality of Offaly I thought it stood out an awful lot and that was embodied by, by I thought Emma Bradley and Conor Glass particularly and it just not only his physicality he's very good in the air as well. He can't. Like, he's not going to get you four points, but he he did wander wander forward and and, and kick a good score as well. He yeah. does that. He does have it in him. He probably should have got a goal in the first half as well. But um, but this is this must be such a bonus for Derry. I mean, there was 
there's probably unrealistic expectations of what he might do last year coming back from Australia. And you're looking at the impact that Conor McKenna had immediately upon his return. But now that he's settled in, now that Conor Glass has settled in, got a good kind of season under him with, uh, with Rory Gallagher and with a team that's playing well as well. He could be, uh, he could be a massive weapon for, for, for Derry in the championship. You mentioned John Mohan said after the game they had no regrets. And, like, I mean, I don't know. It was just a very, very flat performance. But, uh, you, you know, I just don't think Offaly would would ever be able to beat um, Derry. You know, Niall McNamee coming on. I think Keen Farrell has a bit of has potential in there, has a good bit of movement. And, like, Chrissy McCaig's not an easy man to mark. And he got plenty of ball off Chrissy. He just couldn't hold on to it, again, because of nerves, I'd say. And, and then Chrissy went on Niall McNamee when he came on then. And uh, like I'd leave Niall McNamee and, and Farrell um, in there, maybe in a two man full forward, forward line and, and kind of get it into them. Like Offaly only scored one point from play. I was thinking this is a big advantage from Mickey Hart watching this game. And I'd say Mickey Hart will have learned nothing about Offaly from this game. Very little, very little. Well, he would have known, for example, that when Niall, Mac- Niall McNamee to me, like Offaly didn't do a whole lot, but Niall McNamee was at heart of everything that they did do, including his role in the goal. Just, you know, yeah. really- did really well to take that and kind of set it up. So if he's, I, I suppose, in terms of thinking of men to mark, that's if Niall McNamee is going to start, he'll have his focus there. But I'd say what what um, what uh, Mickey Hart will have taken kind of heart from, and I think that John, Mo- John Mohan alluded to this himself after the game, was that Loud, Loud have a lot of, um, Loud have some physical players as well. I think uh, Mohan might have referenced um, uh, Grimes and Kieran Byrne, who played in the AFL as well. So, like that's that was the big thing that stood out to me that Offaly suffered quite, you know, phys- physically. They just were, were physically weren't up to it against against Der- Derry. Now Derry are a long way removed from, you know, louder Division Four. Like Derry should probably be Division Two. So probably mightn't be able to impose themselves physically the way that uh, the way that Derry did. But that's if I was Mickey Hart, that's that that's something I'd be looking at and something an area that Derry that sorry Offaly can be got at. Yeah, yeah. No, the point I'm kind of making is that Offaly were just so far off, you know, yeah. so far off the pitch. You don't know. Like, you're right. Offaly or Loud aren't going to be as good as Derry. That's still probably a 50-50 game uh, this weekend. I still think Offaly made the right decision for, a, a you know, a, a national final in Croke Park in front of their fans. They're poor fans. Like, they must have had 90% of the people there. They just had nothing to, they had nothing to cheer about. Yeah, no, it's was, it was absolutely the right decision to play the game, Willie. I'm just thinking afterwards, they were like, is John Mann half thinking, oh, maybe, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe what he, he he didn't learn as much, or maybe that you know the confidence of some of his players is going to be affected because of it. But, but that's it. You did like, I think we talked about fans here last week and what it'd be like in Crow Park and kind of after, like, while it was good to have them back, it did, especially because of the nature of the game, it did after a while, feel like there's only 2,500 fans here in an 80,000-seater 80, stadium. And the only time they got to really a chance to kind of raise a ripple was when when Offaly got the goal before halftime and for a little while after halftime. But then it was just it was just really dead, and really flat kind of after that. Now, that's like... Uh, that, I, I keep going on about how Derry kind of imposed themselves physically. And when Offaly kind of realised that and realised maybe after a while that there's no getting back into it, that that kind of played into their heads. But... The flatness of the performance, particularly after such an encouraging league campaign for Offaly and the clear, a clearly a team on the up. I just, as I said earlier, no better man than John Mahon to kind of rouse them again. But I just hope it doesn't have, you know, a, a really detrimental impact given everything they've kind of done in the league today. Yeah, well, let's think just before we, we leave it for this match, I suppose tactically John Mahon didn't, you know, cover himself in glory by, you know, worrying so much about Shane McGuigan. And if anyone had watched the Cavan match, they would have saw how McKinless is just a, a machine 
And he actually did it two or three times at the start of the Cavan match until he hurt himself and he just stopped doing it then. I remember commenting on it on the review show on the Monday, you know, giving them that their half back line, you know, free reign to be raiding down the field is probably something Mahan might regret himself, you know, like, I mean, uh, that probably has to be said as well. Right. We'll leave it there, Connor, for that match and we'll come back with some some news uh, since the last show. So we were talking about the 2,400 fans there, Connor, and Tony McGuinness. I'd never heard of Tony McGuinness. Uh, he's Croke Park Head of Operations. Um, you know, he was talking about how successful the pilot had been and how they're sending a report into the Department of Health. And there was very little congregating um, inside or outside the stadium. Jesus Christ, look, I mean, <laughs> Croke Park, so 2,000 people couldn't possibly congregate outside Park. And even if they do a bit of congregating, is that any different than South William Street or anywhere else? Anyways, or, or a beer garden, which is now allowed. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised as to why they're worried about fans congregating when it's outside and it's not dangerous. And you wonder where their head's at, because this is something that was kind of an issue last year. Um, but I don't think congregating outside. We've been told we should have a, an outdoor summer. So why are they worried about congr- people congregating outside, Connor? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, Willie. To be honest, maybe it's the they they they're kind of um getting ahead of themselves in terms of you know rather than what they're instructed to do by the Department of Health in terms of that they, if there is to if there is a crowd to congregate outside Crow Park that they they'd seen them they see themselves responsible for it. But you know whether when it's permitted and when when it's encouraged when that were when that's what we're encouraged to do. I I'm not I'm not sure what the issue is and like just. 2000 in the stadium i mean yeah i mean 2080,000 seater stadium i'm not surprised it did it it kind of went swimmingly and you know a ground with the size of crow park it has the potential to do far more than that and i yeah. think thankfully we've already we're over, already seen proposals that looks like it's going to come back for the Leinster hurling final maybe and hopefully for the all irelands as well yeah, farcical really have that few people in in Crow Park. But like you say, RT are saying that they're looking at ten thousand for the Leinster hurling final. That's in mid July, and they're looking at twenty five thousand for the All Ireland finals um, in August. Again, I think they're conservative numbers, but that's not me. I don't have any. I don't have any input into this. Bernard Flynn has quit the Mead under twenties. This is very disappointing because he'd he'd assembled. A brilliant backroom team of Robbie Brennan, Graham Garrity, Graham Riley, Peter Leahy, and Shane Supple. Like for an under twenty team, he's pissed off. Um, like I'm sure Bernard wanted his under twenties last weekend. The weekend just gone, and he was told he wouldn't have them because the Mead seniors are out in July the fourth, which is two weeks away. The under twenties are out on the eighth, which is just four days after the seniors. So Bernard will literally not have his senior players if he didn't have them last weekend. Just gone. You know, he's not going to have them until maybe the Monday night after the play with the seniors in the championship, you know, and it's probably a Wednesday night um, that they're that they're out. So I can understand how Bernard would be really pissed off. They had an agreement. He said he said in a statement, he says, I undertook to accept the role of managing and developing the Mead under 20 squad based on a verbal and written agreement that the senior players would be released for championship, an issue that has caused difficulties for previous management. Confirmation was received today that this agreement, which is underpinned by a signed charter, including a commitment from, uh, I think that's the chair, the chairman and the mm. senior manager, will not be honoured, uh, therefore making the position of the under-20 manager and my backroom team untenable. 
Um, what do you think of this one? Like, I mean, this is Andy McEntee reneging on a promise. That's that's what it looks like to me. Uh, well, yeah, my sympathies in, is, is entirely with Bernard Flynn and uh, Andy McEntee wouldn't comment on it. Um, no. So that, 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 that seems to me, to, until he does, until he comes out and says something different, that seems to suggest exactly what you said there, that, that it reneges on an agreement that he made and signed uh, like a, a signed charter, it wasn't just a verbal one. Like we all know, the verbal verbal contracts aren't worth the paper they're printed on. But this was Bernard Flynn. Obviously, he mentioned it in his statement. He said, "This has caused an issue in the past. It's not going to cause an issue under me. So I'm going to make sure that I put this in writing and that it's signed by the relevant people, including yeah. the senior manager and the county chairman." So, like to to all intents and purposes, until we hear otherwise, Willie, this is exactly what has happened. And I just like to know, like, that were these. You know, when this charter was drawn up and when the fixtures were released and all this sort of stuff, were these envis- were these scenarios not envisaged? You'd, you'd like to think they were. And then only now, like in the last couple of days, obviously he just retired. He stepped down over the weekend. Suddenly somebody has stepped up and said, well, no, actually, this is the way I want it. And this is how it's going to happen. So, yeah, I think I think this is a, a situation for a, a strong chairman should be making the decision on this because these two managers are obviously want the best for their own team, which is perfectly understandable. McEntee shouldn't be going against a signed promise. There's no doubt about that. Um, This is where the chairman steps in and goes, hang on a second. I've appointed you and I've appointed you. And this is the signed charter. And those two players are going to be released to the under-20s this weekend. And as per the agreement. And take it out of the player's hands and take it out of the manager's hands. And if you don't like that, well then, that's you know that's fine because now like I don't think Bernard Flynn quitting is the right you know like I mean that was a great backroom team and that was great for Mead so this is not a good situation and this is the chairman's fault like he's just let an incredible backroom team walk away instead of him putting his foot down here. Yeah, and like we can't speak for it until we know the exact details, bully. But it seems to me like another example of the senior team kind of being the county senior team being the be all and end all and kind of you know. Um, being able being able to walk over the county board, I suppose. I mean, there's been examples in a lot of a lot of examples in recent years of maybe club fixtures being changed at the drop of a hat to suit, you know, maybe a county training camp or something like that, or maybe you know if a county ends up in the qualifiers when they didn't expect to be, and like all, all of a sudden everything, you know, everything is 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 but to rest at the behest of the county team. So it's just like my sympathy here. We probably haven't mentioned mentioned them yet, or the players. I mean, like they're looking at they're out on the eighth of July. Only a couple of weeks away. If they win that again, they're out on the fifteenth, uh, which is only a week later. And this is a Mead team, to the best of my knowledge, that uh, the they would have a lot of players that won the, an under seventeen. Won the minor three years ago, I think. Yeah. yeah. So like they, they, they like providing that their development has been quite good up up till now, that they should be in a decent decent position to have a stab at Leinster. So now they're looking at a, play, a situation of not having a management team in place for for their game, which is only a few weeks away. So like that's. It, it's a complete mess. And, but like, I, if Bernard Flynn, as he said, did, you know, sign that charter and said that his position would be untenable if this charter was breached, well, then you just have to have, you know, you have to have respect with Bernard and the management team for kind of standing by their principle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bad news in Cork. So Kieran Sheehan has been forced to retire. She has terrible news now. He said, My knee had got to the point where competing at intercounty level intensity is no longer an option as the long term health of the knee is at high risk if I continue to play at that level. I'm just thinking of my own knee, which is banjaxed, and I stupidly played Junior B last uh, last last yeah. weekend when I should be gone off it long ago. But this is this is terrible news for Kieran Sheen. And like the poor chap, 
just has had a career. He's had a brilliant career. He's won more than he's won more than ninety percent of players could only dream of, and he's been a professional athlete in Australia. But Jesus, when he looks back on it, you know, injury has really hampered him. He had eight operations in four years when he was in Australia, and since he's come back, then he's been back getting injured again, and he's. I'm sure he's just got to the point where he can't uh, can't be dealing with it anymore. Um, he was on the show here a couple of years ago after he came back from Australia, and here he is filling filling us in on all the horrible injuries he had in Australia. I did run into a bit of misfortune right from the injury side of things. Um, look, I I had eight eight operations in my four years on a list, and look, if you're trying to if you're trying to balance that, it's it's always going to be tough. Um, but I think the key there, like it would look like like there's actually there who's had you know he's been so consistent with injuries and stuff. Yeah. You know he hasn't got any injuries. He's been he's been on the ground every week. And you know that's that's the real key to, to being successful. I think from from an Irish point of view, actually from all players' point of view, when they're playing AFL, is just that consistency of performance um, and being out being out in the out in the track training. Um, and and Zach's proven that. And look, I, I suppose when I look back at my own my own career, I suppose like I I had a lot of regrets too um, in terms of how I managed it. And yeah, so look. Um, and I, I had a, I had a couple of injuries. Um, I, I can't, I'm not going to be around the bush that, that held me back. But at the same time, I had opportunities that I probably didn't take as well. Um, look, I, I I suppose we had three coaches in the space of four years as well, which is unheard of for an AFL team. Um, there was a lot of change going on. There was a change in culture nearly every year. Um, the most previous manager I had, Brendan Bolton, like we didn't exactly um, have the, the, the greatest relationship either. Um, you know, so it was it was just a, a, a series of a few different events. Um, I look back and say, look, it was an amazing experience in terms of the career itself. Look, it was a disappointment from from what I wanted to achieve. Um, but look, it was as I said, it was, it was a massive experience from a personal point of view, which has kind of, I suppose, added to to my own character from that sense. And I'm kind of, I'm, I'm really happy. I've no regrets of, of the decision I made. Um, maybe a few regrets on the, the performance side of things. Right. So, like, I mean, just to give people an idea of, you know, the injuries that you, that you had. So, like, I mean, you played yeah. uh, 14 games VFL in your first uh, year and then you played your first AFL game. Um, was it at yeah. the end of that season as well? You were over at the end of 13 and then in 14 you made the breakthrough. Then in 15 you started getting a pain in your pubic bone. You ended up having to get both hips, surgery done on both hips. Then you came back yeah. in, in, yeah. in 2016 and you got a stress fracture um, on your in your foot. Um, yeah. And then you had to go back in for more surgery on one of your hips and that kept you out of 2016. You came back and you did your knee, you did your lateral ligament and you ruptured your hamstring tendon off the bone. Yeah. It's, holy shit. <laughs> yep. like, I mean, yeah. right, I'd be gone yeah. home long ago if I was you, Kieran. Like, I mean, yeah. And then you... you You've your homework on there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, like, I mean, you come back in 2017 um, and it was like something like, yeah, you were saying it was eight operations over, over, four, over four years. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, look, 2017 was probably my best year. That was my last year. Um, and I had, I had an injury, interrupt, I had, like uninterrupted uh, preseason in terms of injury and got a good run and ended up playing a couple of games um, towards the back end of the year. But my body was in a great position at the end of 2017, and look, I I wanted to continue playing at kind of a, a high level there as well. Um, and I played look a semi pro level over as well for that two years that I was I was working with the, the AFL Players Association. All so, right. Look, I, I I kept the body in kind of in good shape, you know, when it when it came to that, and I just like I always kind of thought that you know 
if there was a sniff of a chance of playing with Cork again, that, you know, I'd have to keep myself in some bit of shape. So um, that was kind of a part of it as well. But look, as, as you said there, 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 there is a list of injuries there, but and it, you grow as a person off the back of, you know, injuries. And yeah, I went through, you know, some, some dark times. Um, you know, everyone knows the drill there when you're injured, like being in a rehab room on your own, you know, yeah. wondering, you know, what, what am I doing here? But I, I, I suppose the, the biggest biggest thing that I kind of look back on is the advice I give is just always ask yourself the question, why, you know, why, why am I here? Why am I doing it? And uh, look, I always had the, the answer that kind of drove me um, and, and, and that's what kept me going really, you know. Very positive attitude, hasn't he, Connor? That was back then, and I'm sure he is the same. You know, you grow as a person after having these injuries. He kind of tries to turn them into a positive, and maybe that's the only thing he can do um, at this stage. Yeah, well, it's fair, fair play to him for having that attitude, especially after getting the news um, that he got. Do you know what I mean? And like, not, it's not just, you know, uh, it's um, it, like having to retire is one thing, but being told that your long-term health of your knee is at high risk, that's, you know, that's, that's just kind of... Um, nearly the cherry on top in terms of the bad news but like he has at least in fairness to Kieran he has experience from 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 what he did in the AFL in terms of managing their transition from you know playing career to a post playing career and I was glad to hear as, as well that um he will be able to um he will be able to keep playing with Aerog I think and Aerog had Aerog got promoted to got promoted in Cork there at the weekend as well so something to, for him to look forward to in that in that point of view but well, just just the the worst, the most rotten run of luck. And you said he has had a brilliant career, and he has had a brilliant career, but he won his All Ireland at nineteen, and probably thinking after that that like, oh, geez, it can only go up and up for me from here. And then it's just injury after injury after injury. And like I I, I was even surprised to hear that he's only thirty. You know, because he won that that, that All Ireland as far back as uh, 2010, 11 years ago. But uh, yeah. what what a player he was, I think. Um, Ronan McCarthy called him a Rolls Royce of a footballer, which is which is the the highest compliment that I think you can pay him. But it's just it's a pity that both in Australia and in Cork that they just probably didn't see the best of him since then because he's just had the most rotten run of luck. Yeah, no, he definitely has. Come here, have you seen this uh, Connor Mortimer um, on Twitter? He's given out about club players in Kildare having to pay into matches. Now he's been he's been put he's manager of Monster Evan Mortis and. You know, obviously, he had to pay in the games. This is unusual for him. So he was asking everybody from different counties, "Is this the done thing in every county?" And it looks like it's only Kildare asked their players um, to do this. You know, like I mean, I don't think it's right to ask a player to pay into a match that he's playing in. Like I mean, you're going to make money on the gate because these players are going into play. I don't think it's right to actually charge these players. They do it in America, of course. Have played out there enough years to know that you pay your own way into the into whatever Gaelic park it, there is out there. But I don't know. It's not the situation ever have to do something like that in Mayo, is it? No, no, no. Had, had you had you heard about this before, Willie? No. Just as a matter of interest, because I, I had literally never heard this before. And then, like, I was just, I think it was Saturday night he posted and I was kind of going through the replies and, like, uh, Kildare people were like, yeah, just, just this, this, this is kind of par for the course here. Well, every, people from the other 31 counties were giving out and couldn't believe I, I couldn't believe it. I mean... It's it's probably only a few quid, but like it, that's it's just the principle, as you said, the players that are providing the entertainment. You know that the, the surely ever whatever costs is is accrued is covered by the people that are going to be paying into the game. So why why should why should players have to pay on top of it? Surely that like whatever membership you pay at the start of the year should you know should 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 be enough to 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 cover whatever costs are going to accrue as a result of it. I mean, I, I was just I was just completely taken aback, Willie, because the thought of it, the thought of players having to pay into their to, to, to play the game themselves never even occurred to me and never even 
I never even realised that this was the case in Kildare and seems to have been for a while as well. How, mu- how much is it to, how much is membership for Kilshima? <laughs> I hope I'm not, uh, hope I'm not, you know, kind of uh, putting us out there against other clubs and, and, and comparing value or price around like that. But we have to pay. So we have a really, really good gym in our clubhouse. How much is, is it? 100 quid. <laughs> <laughs> I nearly had a heart attack here because I, I didn't want to go up and play the junior in, in case because I hadn't paid the membership. 130 euros. Now you're included in a, in a county board draw. Jesus, I, I remember the last time I paid Portlaoise membership, it was 50 quid or something. Yeah, so we're yeah we get gym membership, uh, we get included in a, we get a county board draw ticket, and it's uh, it's a it's a lower price for for students then as well, of course, yeah. But that seems just talking to friends of mine in other clubs, that seems to be fairly standard in Mayo, only a hundred quid. Right, and then I was out telling, giving out to the father about the hundred thirty quid, and I says, look, well, at least I'm in that county board draw, and he says, ah, that's that's over. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know about least Wally, but I think there's a guy, the a uh, Celtic club man. I think won as much as ten grand in the in the Mayo County Board draw this year. So ah, yeah, the draw softens the blow as long as the draw is not <laughs> over. You we need to get in early in the year to make sure that you're not doing being as stupid as me. Um, <laughs> Peter Keen, Peter Keen has been. I think he did a a media day online ahead of the Clare game, and he's been talking about wanting the seven subs to stay. Um, I don't think that's going to stay for the championship. There's been no talk about it. It was just brought in because of the, the you know, the intense schedule they had during the league. And it was a very smart thing for the GEA um, to do. He says, I think the GEA did a great move for the league when they went to seven substitutes. I would certainly uh, think they would need to go there for the championship and go back to seven substitutes purely from a player welfare point of view. Being able to hook other fellas and get fellas out, because if you look at it, it seems to be soft tissue injuries and muscle injuries that are predominantly the issue here. I would have no problem with the seven substitutes this year for the championship again, Connor, considering the, the injury list some counties have. Like, isn't it incredible? Kerry have no injury issues. Like, Dublin don't either because I think Dean Rock is back. Isn't that mad then when you look at Donegal, you look at uh, Kildare, you know, you look at other counties and they're getting a really bad doing with them. Yeah, John Small for Dublin, maybe, I think, was the only oh, one. Small it, with the hammer, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's the only one that I can think of. But like, it's, I, I don't mean to speak down other counties, but I, I'd say that the quality of um, Dublin and Kerry's conditioning has something to do with that. Do you think that's, so? A little bit, yeah, Willie. I mean, I mean... At that, like some we 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 mentioned last week when we were talking about the Kildare case, that some of them are you know some of them are freak, you know some of them are going to happen anyway. But I'd say there there's there's some cases where maybe and I, I, again I don't I, like is get a get a conditioning expert on to you know speak whether speak about whether they have been managing their loads properly and stuff like that. But I at the same time I'm not sure it's an exact coincidence that the two best teams in the country are having the fewest injuries as well, and maybe maybe that's. Maybe that's to do with how they've been able to kind of manage their squads and stuff like that throughout the league. But I would say I would say that that I I, I would suggest that maybe that is something to do with it too. Yeah, maybe it has. Maybe it has. Maybe but, yeah. yeah. I, the only issue with the seven subs, I like as in I I think I I mentioned before the championship that I might have had an issue with it because it, it did seem like a lot to me. But any of the games I've seen, it hasn't. The the, the one concern I'd have would be that it would disrupt the flow. And it hasn't disrupted the flow of any game that I've seen. I mean, managers aren't taking the piss with it, basically. So, you know, it's been fine. And if if, if it's going to add that extra layer of protecting people in terms of conditioning injuries, you know, I, I, I think it's fine. The only the only time I saw it was when Mead actually replaced their, put in their subkeeper for 10 minutes against Mayo. But that was a game, that was practically a challenge game that didn't really matter anyway. And that's the only time I've seen that, you know, when I'm thinking, 
oh, maybe seven subs is enough. So especially this season, especially all the injuries that there has been to date, you know, why not leave it at seven for the championship? So last story to finish up, um, Connor. we have with Colin O'Rourke's article in The Independent yesterday, and look, it was nothing special, it was kind of a generic kind of filler kind of article before the championship kind of starts, like an overview of different different things. But he's, he, he said in this, he said, quite a few Kerry people have been upset at me for taking this line, especially when I said recently that as far as inside forwards are concerned, Connor Callaghan is better than David Clifford. This appears to have been the ultimate insult. However, I have a very simple way of judging players and teams. Until this Kerry team beat Dublin in an All-Ireland final, then I will have a question mark over them. You judge the best against the best. Now there's only one winner in that regard. So I don't know what O'Rourke's talking about here, right? Because I was trying to, going to try and stay away from this Con versus Clifford thing. Like, I mean, for me, there is no comparison between Conor Callaghan and David Clifford. David Clifford is a 10 out of 10 Conor Callaghan is is a cup a couple of drops down below that. Now Conor Callaghan is obviously a brilliant, brilliant player, but he's look he's not in in Clifford's league as far as I'm concerned. So I don't even think that this is even a debate. Even this, I think nine people out of ten that are not from Dublin or Kerry will say David Clifford is better than Con. Now I haven't said that. Jer Brennan told me before one of the shows he would take Con. Most of this came after the Dublin versus Kerry game when Con got the two, you know, the two goals and got taken down for the penalty and stuff. I don't know, like Con doesn't do anything near the kind of spectacular things David Clifford does, uh, Connor. No, no, I, I I raised a couple of eyebrows there, Willie, when I heard you say that he was a couple of drops below uh, David Clifford. I, like, I'd have Conor Callahan right up there. And so, like, maybe I get what you're saying. He doesn't do the spectacular things that uh, that David Clifford can do and is capable of. But, you know, in terms of his, in terms of the impact that he makes in Willie, I suppose that, that's, that, that's another way, the other way you have to look at it. I mean, if I was to, like, if you were to look at the, um, the best big game players of the last few years, for example, I think Kana is at the, the 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 very very top of the list in terms of the impact that he's had in the biggest games scored against, scored in the twenty seventeen final, scored a goal against Mayo in twenty seventeen final, two goals against him in twenty nineteen semi final, four points for, against Kerry, I think, in the twenty nineteen final replay, goal again against Mayo last year in the in the in the Ireland final again in the biggest games. Khan always shows up, and yeah. he's just such a he's just such a kind of um, He's so hard to manage because he's so strong. He's so direct. In that way, he's a completely different. He's a different, completely different player from David Clifford. But in terms of their, in terms of the impact that they've that they've both had, I I think he's right up there. Like I I think that I think ultimately, Wooly, I think in a couple of years, in a few years, in ten years, we're going to look back at David Clifford as perhaps the best of all time. As you said, he's a ten out of ten. There is no weakness that I can see to his game. But in terms of like the the impact that they've made, I can maybe see where where Colin Morocco is, is 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 coming from. But uh, like I tend to, in terms of who like who do I prefer watching, who do I think is a better player, I'd probably say Clifford. But I think Con is right up there, and I think in terms of their impact on the game, I think few have made as big an impact as Con in his what four or five years of the Dublin team so far. Yeah, oh, like I, Con is up there, but I think Clifford is a way out on his own, and I think Con is with the very very top level players. Um, coming after David Clifford, like the the question here is who's a better player, David Clifford or Conor Callaghan? Like for me, there for me there isn't any debate on that. David Clifford is a better player, you know. It, like I mean, that 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 goes without saying as far as I'm concerned. Because then O'Rourke starts talking about Kerry have to beat Dublin, you know, or I will have question marks over them or over David. 
like, I mean, the question is who's a better player between the yeah. two of them? What their teams have won or what their teams haven't won for me is irrelevant. And I suppose David Clifford's played in two All-Ireland finals. He was outstanding in, in both games against Dublin. They gave Cooper a terrible doing in the first half and was still able to get four or five from playoff Fitzsimons in the in the replay. And that was only when he was 19. So Khan has had a lot of, a lot of bigger games to play in, you know, yeah. David Clifford. So it's like you're using something David c- can't control, you know, to 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 make a case against him, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, no, I can. I don't. I that, that was the one line I did not. I did not like until this Kerry team beat Dublin in the final. Then I have a question mark over them. Maybe he can he can have a question mark collectively over the team. But like, if David Clifford is unbelievable in those games, you can't have a question mark over David Clifford. Do you know what I mean? That was that was he he was able to control his own performance and he has done and he has been brilliant. Do you know what I mean? So the fact that Kerry haven't won the All Ireland would to me wouldn't take away from David Clifford's individual as ability as a player to date. It was the same, like obviously I'm in a good position to say it, but like that that's been leveled at that accusation has been leveled at Mayo a lot. And that like, do you know, that they well, they never got over the line. So like that obviously it does have to affect their perceptions of them as a team, but you can't you can't take away from how good of a team I think they have been over over the last few years, even though they, they never got over the line. So that's I think that that's the line that that Colin Rourke is applying to Clifford here. It's a kind of a lazy thing that's often thrown out, um, and 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 I think it's I think it's unfair on Clifford in this instance. But I don't think Colin is going to have to wait long anyway. I think within a few years, Kerry will have won in All Ireland, and Dave Clifford will have made the same impact in those finals that I mentioned that Con has done for Dublin in the last few years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, listen, of course, like, I mean, we have to repeat that Conor Callaghan is a, a freak of a player as well. You know, like, I mean, you, so this is like the highest comparison you're you're judging Conor against. Like, I mean, he would blow away any other any other comparison, just not against David Clifford as far as I'm as far as I'm concerned. Right. That's it. That's the last uh, show before we kick off for championship, Conor. So we're back with a new studio coming up on Thursday. Uh, we'll be sticking up the shows on to YouTube again. Um, have to say, I find putting shows done on Skype or on Zoom up on YouTube an insult to YouTube video. So we haven't <laughs> we haven't done it. Um, I just did not want to do it because I don't think it looks an- anyway good. But we have a new studio ready to stick the shows back up on YouTube. So anyone who's been missing them, and there have been people who have been asking me about that, um, we'll be back on YouTube uh, with the two sh- the hurling show and the football show on Thursday. So we'll we'll talk to you all then. Good luck. But this little dink ball, the only one in the crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken out, hits the ground, and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I've never been asked to do a whole ball. Really? Yeah. You ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I cover you, a free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 